Okay, so picking up from the Mishnah on Nvedamid Bet. Um so uh Hanakame Vamedamea Vamanasek, Bishogit Patri Mazid Chayav. So now we get to a new tikkun olam, something that takes us we dealt with the whole thing about collecting debts, then we are you know, this parak is much more financial, at least that's the way it's been so far. Then we got into this whole interesting thing about orphans and um people that are apitrosim, you know, uh, uh guardians and so on for their financial doings. Um and now we get to Nezek. So you somebody goes ahead and does an act of damage but as the Gemara is going to characterize this, this is Hezek Sheino Nikar. This is a damage that is not visible. Invisible damage. Um, so, um, you know, it's like, they say, what is it? That somebody that believes in God, he has an invisible means of support. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so, okay, but anyway, so this is invisible damage. So what is it? You are mitamei. you go ahead and you throw, let's say you touch your tamei, or you take a sheret, a dead rodent, and you put, touch it to somebody's grain. Maybe it's even truma grain. And now, the grains going from being able to be eaten by kohanim all you can do right now is burn, is burn it what you can do with tamei truma is benefit from it as it's burning okay so it's obviously worth a lot less but if somebody looks at it they don't see anything different amadamea is you take somebody separated out truma and uh, they have a truma pile and they have their chulin pile and you go and you mix it all together so somebody looks at it it just looks like a big pile of grain what did I do I just mixed some grain together but the reality is that now until now their chulin was worth you know $10 a pound and the truma was worth $5 a pound because only Kohanim could eat the truma now that it's all mixed up it all effectively can only be eaten by Kohanim so now it's all, all only worth $5 a pound right but you can't see that damage it's not visible that's what happens when you live in a halachic world you can have damage that isn't visible I'm serious right you know so okay and the Nazik is you go ahead and you take somebody's wine and you do a libation to a Vodazara so uh, the Gemara's going to say well that's a little worse than just damages what about you know with, that's like a huge transgression but anyway, we'll get to that. But anyway, now the wine is Asr Behana, even though uh, there's nothing visible about it. So in all those cases, Beshogig Pater, if that was accidental, how exactly your Menasech wine to Avodazar accidentally, I don't know. But anyway, and Bemezid Chayav, if it's intentional, you are obligated. So the question is, which way does the Tikkun Olam go? Because normal damage, you're Chayav whether you're Shogig or Mezid. So is the, is the default here that, you know, is the Iker Hadin that you should be Chayav and the Tikkun Olam was to get you off the hook when you're Beshogeg, why should that be? That doesn't make sense. Like, why should we get you off the hook? But, or, but we'll see in the Gemara. That's one opinion. The other opinion is that the Iker Hadin is that your putter and the Tikkun Olam is we've got to make you pay or else you're going to get away with, you know, willfully damaging somebody else's property. So let's take a look at the Gemara. Before it gets to the core issue in the Mishnah, which is what is the nature of Hezek Sheno Nikar and whether Nikar Hadin Yer Chayv or Pater, the Gemara at first wanted to address the particular cases. Itmar was taught. Menasech. Rav Amar Menasech Mamash. Rav says literally it means to pour the wine to Avodazara. Vishmuel Amar Ma'arev. No, what you do is you take Yayin of Avodazara uh, that's been poured, you know, by a Jew or a non-Jew, it doesn't really matter, and you go ahead and you mix it in with kosher wine, sort of like Medamea, you didn't actually go ahead and change its status, but you mixed it in with kosher wine. The one that says it's talking about mixing it, why does he not say it's talking about pouring, anointing it? 
Because if you do Nisuch, then you're Chayav Nisa when you, uh, when you pour wine, do a libation to Avodazara. And uh, therefore, if you're Chayav Nisa, that overrides any monetary payment. That's called Kingle, we establish in the Dirabamine, which with the greater punishment. So if somebody does a two and one act, and that act has in it both a capital crime and a monetary uh, sort of payment aspect, we say the capital crime overwhelms, you know, or overshadows any monetary, da- you know, uh, 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 thing that he is doing, and, the, and therefore he does not have to do the, you know, he does not have to uh, pay for any monetary uh, obligations that he incurs at that time. Now, this can be in two scenarios. One could be that if we're actually giving you the harsher punishment, we're not going to also make you pay financially. If we're executing somebody, we're not also going to make him pay for damages that were incurred at the time. Um, that, some, that you find in when the person is getting sometimes like lashes, malchus. That's a principle called, called Ein Adam Loket Umishalem. We don't give you lashes and make you pay. We're only going to, in, we're, all, we're only going to actually exact one punishment for one act. Okay? Then there's all these questions about what does it mean one act? Like let's say, you know, here I am, I'm like eating chazer with my mouth and I'm stomping on your, uh, you know, your vessels. Yeah, and I'm breaking, and I'm breaking your vase with my other hand. Is that because it's the same time? Or is it only, you know, how do you exactly define one? If it's your chazer that I'm eating, right? So maybe that is one act, right? But anyway, but if it's defined as one act, I'm not going to give you two punishments. I've got to decide which punishment I'm going to give you and I'm going to give you the harsher one. I'm going to give you the malchus. But, King Lebedrabi Mine is different. King Lebedrabi Mine is even if we're not punishing you. There were not witnesses. There was not hatra'ah. It's not a time where there's a based in that does, you know, executions, that punishes for capital crimes. The very fact that you did such a weighty avera overshadows, you know, the, uh, the significance of anything else that you did in that context. Anything else that you did is like trivial. Here, here you were, you did an act of Avodah like I can't even think about the fact that you damaged somebody's property. That's completely like irrelevant, you know, in the context of the horrific nature, you know, sort of religiously horrific nature, you know, of this act. So that's the principle of like Kim Lebedrabimine. So how could there be any financial liability in that case? So that's his question. The Edach, the other one says back, Kid Rabbi Yirmiya, like Rabbi Yirmiya says, I'm Rabbi Yirmiya, Mishas Hagbahu Dekana. No, because this is a question about defining what is the same act. When you lifted up the barrel, of, the, the bottle of wine to pour it, that was your act of, uh, of, of, of stealing. That was your act of being liable in damages. You're not obligated for, you know, you're not obligated for, like, uh, for, for acts of Vodazara until you actually do the libation. Now, there's a little bit of a problem with that if you realize it. Because lifting it up could be an act of Geneva, an act of theft. But if it's an act of theft, it's not the case in the Mishnah about Hezekchen Onikar. The damage was not the act of that it's poured and it's Asr Behana, the point that your hive is because you stole it. So then it's just a standard obligation for stealing something, right? Is that clear? I mean, the case in the Mishnah are unique in that you did an act of damaging, but it's not a visible damage. If this is saying that you actually poured it to Avodah but your Chayiv, because from the moment you pick it up, because then at that moment, let's say you stole it, even though you haven't made it Asr Behana, you haven't made it Uyayin Esech, but then it's just a case of Geneva or Gzela, right? Right? It's not a case of Hezek Shenonikar. Well, if it's on Manasseh, of course it's a Hezek Shenonikar, no matter what. Because but you're not Chayi for the Hezek Shenonikar. That's Kim Lebedrabimine. If you say the mission means literally Manasseh, then the answer is, how could you ever be Chayi, even if it's Benezid? Kim Lebedrabimine. And the answer is, no, I'm not making you Chayi for pouring it. 
at that stage you're you're keenly bedraming it, making chai for stealing it. Okay, but if you're chai for stealing it, it's not the case of the Mishnah. No, no. My question is, how is it ever menasech a case of she'en onikar? Because there's, you'll see there's less wine in there, so it isn't nikar. Oh uh, no, you could pour it from one vessel into the next. The Rashi says you could do menasech by just moving your hand and swishing your hand around, but then then you don't have the case about picking it up. Okay, but anyway, no, 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 no. But you pour it from one vessel to the next, or you pour it back, or something of that nature. Okay. Yes. Right. Why should the person who was damaged be out of that? I mean, why shouldn't you have to pay him and then you get killed? I understand. So that's the, you know, that's, and sometimes the Gemara sort of discusses that. There's a whole sugya about like Misa Lazel, Mamon Lazez, or ways of somehow separating those two acts. Yeah, I understand. I mean, it's not fair to the person who's damaged. That's true, you know. Um, but, um, okay, so anyway, but um, um, but if you take a look, so every, you understand my question? If you say, look at Rashi, right? The odd, but Rashi says, Amanatla goes low. But according to that 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 explanation, if the Mishnah is talking about Nisuch, and you can't be high for Nisuch because of Kimle, and you're high for picking it up, then it's a case of Gizela. So it's not a case of Hezekinunika, right? If I see it, and then I'm high whether it's Shogay Gourmet, it's Gizela. So if you look at Tosvos, Tosvos says, Kimlebidrabine, says like this, the Yesh Lomer, it's one, two, three, like five lines from the bottom. Okay? Uh, do people have that? Where would you starting from? Uh, five lines from the bottom of the of the daf, of mm-hmm. uh, the end of the line. The Okay, the below So what said, I know. So back to the conversation like exactly the same Which thing. case? Um, of your, uh, thief stealing on Shabbos a purse from a house. Oh, right, right. That's exactly it. Right. He couldn't have shot the arrow. He couldn't have torn the silk if he didn't shoot the arrow. Exactly. He couldn't have shot the arrow. Exactly. So this is Tosus is saying, so, you know, he says the act of Hezek, but it's interesting, the act, where do we define the act of Act of Nisuch beginning when we're looking at through the lens of not Hilchos Avodazara, but when we're looking at it at the lens of through Hilchos Nezek. Right? When did the damage begin? The process of damaging began as soon as I took your wine with the intention of doing something wrong to it. Right? I'm invading your property, and I'm do- this is beginning the process of damage. I'm still high not for Gzela. I'm high for damage. But the damaging process began at this moment. The act of Avodazara begins only when I actually do the pouring. So Tosa says it's not Gzela, there's both Nezek and Avodazara going on here. The Nezek process starts a little bit earlier, and therefore you could, it's not Kimli Bidrabamine. Alright, so that's Shmuel's position. Um, okay. Luman um, now the Gemara says like this. Luman Damar Menasek, my time alone Ma'are. So if you say it's a case of actually pouring wine to Avodazara, which gets it complicated, why don't we say Kimle, and you have to separate which, you know, when the moments that the two acts begin. So why not just say that it's talking about mixing up the wine. So you could say, well, because the Mishnah says Menasech. But anyway, He says, besides that that's the simple meaning of the word, but then it's not a new Chiddush from the case of mixing truma with chulin grain. So if you told me mixing truma grain with chulin grain is a case, then obviously mixing Yayin with other wine is a case. No, I mean, they're, they're conceptually you know, the same.
same. At least you can sell it to Kohanim in one case, or you can do anything. Okay, well, the Gemara will get to that. That's possible. Okay, so that's a possible difference. So we'll see about that. The Idach, uh, the other one will say, Knasahu, before you even try to explain why this is more Chiddush than the next one, he says, look, all of these things are signs. And because Chazal decided to make a sign in one case, you cannot decide that by logic that the same type of logic should apply in another case. Okay, because fine is not the same as damages. So this, number one, establishes the idea that it's the Iker Hadin you should be potter in all these cases. It says a Kano Nikar. But the other is Chiddush is fine. Even if we say Iker Hadin you should be potter, right, when Chazal is going to say, but we're going to have to make you pay anyway. Like, why do you think Chazal would say, just to anticipate the, the Gemara? Hezek Kano Nikar, you're really exempt, but we're going to make you pay anyway if you did it amazing. What do you think the reason would be? What? Yeah, to prevent people, giving people an option that you can intentionally do something that the guy you don't like can go ahead and damage their their thing and get away with it, right? Now, because to close off that, we're going to say you're going to have to pay when you're when you're mazed. So when we're making you pay because you're mazed, would you say the the nature of that payment is a fine? A fine means it's a form of of monetary punishment. Is that what we're doing? We're punishing you, right? I wouldn't call it a fine. I would actually call it they were like instituting a new category of compensation like alright are we you know are we or you could say no it is about punishing you or smacking you but it's smacking you you know for the sake of social control that actually is a certain degree of a fine but I would actually say what we're doing is we're closing a gap there's a gap here in the system that it's unjust that somebody could be willful a person could do willful damage and the other person not get compensated so I, I would say that it's a type of a rabbinic tashlumim it's not a rabbinic knas so I think that's an interesting question you know maybe the language of so you shouldn't be able to get away with it focuses us on that idea of punishment we're punishing you or we're giving you a Incentive, and that's what makes the Gemara think about it as a knas. You could have taken the same thing and thought about it the other way. It's not fair that this guy should suffer for a willful act of damage that was done to him. So therefore, we have to allow him to be compensated. But you're right, because the Gemara focuses on stopping you from doing this act, it sees it as a type of a fine. And if it is a type of a fine, well, you know, you cannot necessarily logically equate cases. If it's a type of compensation, we could say if somebody lost as a result of somebody else's willful act, they deserve to get paid. Well, then that would apply to, like, logically to all cases, you know, that are in that category. But if it's an issue of social control or punishment, maybe there's different psychologies and realities and so on that in some cases demand more social control or demand more punishment than others. Some cases are more common than others. Some cases there's more of a temptation than others. Right? So maybe we can't always identify, assume just because you make a knas in one case, you're going to make a knas in another other case. Okay, so that's the uh, logic of the Gemara. What do you want to say, Dennis? So, it seems weird, right? But let's say it's like, you know, one in a million, somebody mixes up wine of, 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 of Yei Nesach. Like, Yei Nesach never happens. This other issue about grain of truma, like every single day, people, you know, every, every uh, harvest season, people are dealing with truma and keeping separate piles and whatever, and it's a much bigger issue. There we have to institute certain types of controls that we don't in the other case. So you can't, so if it's Tashlumim, you can make a comparison. If it's Knas, you you can't. Yes. Two questions. The one is the headache chain on your car has to mean like not necessarily externally visible, but just 
for instance, like if I made an annual trade file, it looks the same, potentially, that, but that wouldn't be his actual only card, would it? Um, no, because you could see that it's a trade file. I mean, I can't. Well, if you open it up, you could see okay. Yeah. So now the other question is, how do we, I mean, how do we know that it's not... Well, we'll see. We're gonna, we'll, we'll get to it in the Gemara. Okay. So let's look at Rashi. The Knasi mi Knasi lo yofim into Rashi in the second narrow line. The halav dinahu. It's not like a real law, like it's like tashnumim or something, some sense of like justice. The heichad the kanos kanos heichad the lo kanos lo kanos. When they did it, they did it. Now Rashi doesn't say why. It makes it sound arbitrary. But the so, but anyway. But the point is, like, if it's about like you know, as Michael said nicely, social control or punishment, some cases need that more than other cases. Okay. So that's why he says that. We have to say both cases. Okay, so what we have here is an interesting debate about what the case is, and the ruling with Kim Lebedrabimine. But the more interesting thing is how to characterize what's going on in the Mishnah. And the Gemara here has implicitly characterized it, or as explicitly, as Knas. Fundamentally, your potter and it's a type of a Knas. So let's take a look. Now the Gemara says, like, Uluman Damar Knasa Miknas, and the one who says that, Uluman Yalif Miknasa, the one who says that um, actually the reason it's Menasech is because had it just been mixing the wine, I would have learned out from the case of Midamea. So that's saying that you can learn out from one case of Knas to another case of Knas. So Miknasa, the other Knasa Miknasa, that you can learn from one case of Knas to another. So Kohani Lamali, so why did you need all three cases in the Mishnah? Why couldn't I have just said one and inferred the other? Right? You get it? According to Shmuel, that says that you could have learned out mixing wine, and there, you know, from the case, from the case of mixing Truma, so, and therefore he understood the case of wine to be pouring wine. Well, if that's true, then he's saying you can learn one case of Knas from another so why do you need all three cases? So the Gemara says like this No um, No Three so You need all three If it had just said in purifying the grain Let's say the grain was Truma so then because that's a very significant loss like it says it's not totally Lagamri but it goes from stuff that could be eaten to stuff that just could be burned so it's basically it's almost a complete loss so so therefore that I would have said those are cases you have to pay but not cases where it's only a relative law and if it's because of if the case was not Truma but Chulin and Chulin by the way Chulin Tameh is not worth so much less than Chulin Tahor there are some people that only eat Chulin Tahor but for most people it's the exact same so the actual loss is very small so if you, so if you tell me even a small loss shouldn't I be able to figure out every other case from that no that's special why is that special we shouldn't be because there in addition to the nezek that you did to your fellow person you also transgressed a ritual sin you caused chulin to, uh, to, to become tamay and you can't even cause chulin to become tamay in Eretz Yisrael okay so because of the extra extra ritual sin maybe we would fine you so that case could not, you could not have inferred all other cases either it was a almost complete loss and you couldn't have applied it to cases where it was a partial loss or there was an additional ritual sin that was going on there. Yeah, which is very small. Okay, but nevertheless, maybe it's specifically because there was something additionally problematic with that act. Okay, so I couldn't have inferred other places. Now, the Yasmin and Medamea, now how about mixing Truma with Hulin? As you see, that has neither of those two features. It's not totally valueless now. It went down from $10 a bushel to $5 a bushel, right? Because now only Trutukhanim can eat it. But you haven't made it totally valueless. You haven't technically done a sin. Okay, so that case, I couldn't have learned from that to this. Now, why not just tell me the case of mixing? The Iashmin and Medamea, Mishum Deshriach, because that's maybe a very very common occurrence. Like I said, you have, you know, when you're separating out truma, you got your truma pile and your chulin pile. And maybe it's very 
easy to mix those two together. Okay, and that would, would be something that we have to really protect against. But to go ahead and to bring, you know, cause Tuma, which is not, it's so funny, when we long learn that Tuma Tau, we think that everybody is Tame left and right. But anyway, but I, just, I still think it's a little different, like, you know, as opposed to, like, people keep their, whatever. Anyway, the Gemara thinks that that's less common. Okay, maybe in a world where there was a lot of Tuma, people were very careful about it. Okay, aim a low, maybe we wouldn't. So maybe there's a question also about how prevalent is it? How big of a loss? How prevalent? How much other violations did you do in the process? All of these are relative, relevent factors. The Ashmin and Mitame and Mitameh, if it just told us those two, so fine, those are normal cases. You don't have this special idea of Kimle. I would have thought that pouring it to Avodah Zara, there's a special exemption because you're Chayv Misa. So, Eimalo, Hamash Malon. So, the Sijas ask, Kidarebi Yermia, like what Rubi Yermia said, that the process began when you picked it up and therefore you don't say Kimle. So, each one of these needed to be said. In principle, you could learn out from one case to another if all the parameters are the same. But the parameters were not the same, and therefore we needed e- each one of these three cases. So now the Gemara says, We have a brighter that says the following. Originally they used to say, It was only case of Tuma and pouring the wine. And then they applied it even to the case of mixing. So, Kohani Lamali, why do you need all those? By the way, that also shows that it's a case of a fine and not a case of like instituting a rabbinic type of a nezek. Because if it was a rabbinic nezek, right, you would not have, you know, said, well, we only, we only need to do it these cases. Oh, now we realize that there's a third thing that's why we have to apply to the third. It makes it seem very clearly that we're identifying certain problems that are existing in the society and we're coming and addressing them, that we're creating a new category of rabbinic nezek. And the question here of the Gemara is that this shows you that that, that Nidamea is like the, the biggest chiddish, the last thing I would have said. Right? First I would have done Metamei Menasek before Nidamea. Why is that? What's the logic of that progression? So Kohani Lamali, Tzricha, you need it. Had it just started with Tuma, obviously there is no special exemption of Kimle. But I might have thought that by pouring Tavod are your exempt because of Kimle when you pour the wine it's now mamish as Michael pointed out literally worthless right it's Asr Bahana so when you're Metame even if you're Metame Truma it's not totally worthless even Truma Tmeya you could still use as fuel as firewood you could still burn it so Amala, so maybe in that case they won't. So when you have the two of them combined, you see we don't the Kimle isn't the problem for it because the process starts earlier. And you see that you still pay, but you're only paying in both of those cases because the loss is almost complete. In Manasek it's a hundred percent loss, and in Trumatme it's a ninety five percent loss, okay? But it's a hot heavy loss. The Iashmin and Hanitarti, but if I only have those two, we shouldn't have sin Maruba because it's almost a complete loss. Alva Medamea, when you're mixing Truman Hulin, maybe it's only a 50% loss in that case. Maybe it's only a 30% loss because Kalani can still eat it. Right? They have sin Muat, Maybe that didn't need us to, you know, go ahead and exert this type of a punishment and a fine and so on. You know, it's not as big of a problem. Um, so you need to sell me all three cases. So this is nice. It, 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 it highlights the 
different things that would have motivated me in one case as opposed to the other but more particularly what it highlights is the fact that it's a knas and the fact that it's a knas means number one that in principle you should be totally exempt and number two that the reason we're making you pay is not out of any rachmanus for the damagee the nizak that he deserves compensation but it's out of the fact that you, we have to control and, put an, and, and you know these types of activities we have to punish you after the fact or what it sounds more from the Gemara rather than punishing after the fact is as Michael said that we ha- which is what you normally think of as knaf is what Michael said about social control we have to give, disincentivize people from the outset okay but the great, depending on how big of a problem it is how prevalent it is how much of a damage is taking place how much they're violating other things these are types of things that are going to motivate us whether to make this to, whether to do this or to not do this okay so that's framing it all as a knaf now let's take a look at the Gemara as it turns I'm to I'm going to go menasech your wine to Bodhazara what? I'm gonna, uh, you, you, you insulted it. I'm going to go Benasek. Yeah, I, I do understand. I, yeah, it is a, that is a bizarre one. You know, Me'arev makes a lot more sense in that context. Anyway, let's take a look at the Gemara. Um, now the Gemara turns to, uh, it's sort of already laid out the conceptual framework implicitly, working through the cases in the Mishnah, but now it's going to directly address the conceptual framework. So the Gemara says like this. Dvar Torah, Echad Shogig Vechad Mezid Chayev. From a Torah perspective, whether Shogig or Mezid, um, you, if you damage somebody's uh, great, you know, stuff in this way, really you'd have to pay? This isn't the knas. Really, you have to pay in all these cases. Okay? My time has a chain of Even if it's not visible, it's still considered to be damages. Right? You did something to his object, and it's worth less. That's considered you've damaged his object. Why did therefore... So, if, so if that's true, the chiddush of the mission is not that you pay, which is what we've been saying all along. The chiddush of the mission is that you don't pay when you're shogeg. So why did they get you off the hook? When you're shogeg, I mean, here's a guy, you damage his property, you should pay. Um, Nazik pays even the shogeg. So why did they say the shogeg putter? Today, shayodio. So you should inform him, okay? Which is meaning he'll have no idea. He'll wind up eating truma tamea. He'll wind up eating, you know, drinking yain nesach. He'll wind up eating truma because you mix it up. So you're not going to tell him. Why should I tell him? I'm just going to have to pay, right? It's like, you know, the uh, thing about, I, I have to tell you, once I was like uh, backing out of a, um, car, you know, a parking space in Manhattan, right? And a little bit, I like uh, dinged the car behind me or whatever. So like I left, you know, a note, right? Which is, uh, and um, so, you know, here's my whatever, here's my dress, whatever, da, da, da. They contacted me. I paid them whatever it cost. Anyway, this woman was like so yeah. effusive. Like, I can't believe it. Somebody in Manhattan, you actually left a note like you know it never happened this and that like you know so it's like very easy like hey I can get away with it nobody's going to know right and just whatever so here right you figure like and, and here at least in that case the person knows that the car is dinged and they got to get it fixed <laughs> right so there you, when you're informing you got to pay and there's a Yetzirah not to pay because if I inform I'm going to actually have to put my hand in my pocket right here so because of that Yetzirah you're going to want to not tell the person and, uh, and uh, then they're going to wind up doing all these ritual sins because here the problem is it's not just I mean it's not any Hezekinu Nikar I mean mo- you, normally the only way you get Hezekinu Nikar is because you change its halachic 
status, right? In a normal world, in a non-religious world, you don't have has a keno nikar, right? You know, you, you, if there's a damage, it's because it's something that's actually you can see has changed with the object. Anyway, um, but um, or maybe most of the time. Anyway, um, so here, in order to no, 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 like I, you know, like you have water and like I, you know, see lead in it, like yeah, all right, it, right, like, you know. right. So maybe there are scenarios. That's true. But anyway, because it's keno nikar, so here it's more important that we the guy be able to find out rather than you know that they, to say that, it, that you know that that the person will have to pay which will lead to a lot of cases the person not informing not paying and the guy not finding out what he needs to know mm-hmm. no Migo is a believability issue here I mean you know what you're sort of thinking is a similar no it's Migo is believe me because of this because I could have done I could have said this yeah but this isn't quite about being believing we believe you that it was Shogun but it's Shogun it's a a similar type of a structure yeah okay so anyway so that's what she says that we do it in order right it's better to say people are exempt um, in order that we find out what happened and the person doesn't accidentally violate okay Kadesh Yodio says so if it's bemazed as well we should uh, we should uh, exempt the guy right because I'm going to r- ruin you up and I'll be matami your thing and I'm not going to tell you right so we should exempt the guy so uh, just so that he, the person can find out so the Gemara says no no, because when I'm trying to, I'm a time of your truma, and I'm being mean, and I'm doing it amazed. Why am I doing? Because I want you to sin and get punished by God, or do I want to make your uh, your grain worthless? Do I want to hurt you in olam hazeh? Do I want to hurt you in olam haba? So the Gemara is assuming that if I'm doing it amazed, I want to hurt you in olam hazeh, not in olam haba. So therefore, I'm going to want you to find out what I've done, so that you'll know that you can't eat your truma, right? Either I'll tell you directly, you know, you can you're not going to be able to prove it but I'm telling you buddy I put your thing on truma right I'll do it in front of you and then you know but again but there's no evidence it's a he said he you know he said he said type of a thing he said she said or whatever it is so anyway right so so therefore of course I'm gonna there's gonna I'm gonna make you find out because I want you to actually suffer that loss okay so it's not a need by nazi but it's a need by shogeg um, so the Gemara says like this. Uh, okay. In Shemayim cases, I mean, like you know, who is who bears the liability for that? Yeah. Well, uh, I do because you're an onus. So I don't get exactly. Rabbi Yochanan says what makes sense. What we've been assuming, assuming by the earlier Gemara, um, whether uh, from a Torah law, whether Shogig or Mezid are exempt. My taima hezek shenu nikar losh mehezek. It's not considered an act of damage. I mean, like, All right, I'll get that. Matam amru b'mezid chayev. Why did they say b'mezid? like we said before so it should not allow, give people license to go ahead and willfully damage somebody else's property so by framing it like that and not framing it in context of the Nizak like this is what we said before like oh because this person suffered suffered a damage and this other guy was at fault and we have to close that gap so by not framing it that way framing it as we need to stop you from these types of activities it puts it much more as a knot and much less as a rabbinic din now just to give you a similar comparison there's another whole discussion in the Gemara about Dina de Garmi because if you want another example of, 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 of a way in which I could damage you and be exempt here I did a direct act but there's no visible mark of the act that I did there's no visible damage on the object the other type of way that I'm exempt is 
that it's indirect. Okay, I caused a grandma. Like I did one thing, which led to another thing. You know, I I don't know. You know, I uh, uh, um, opened up the gate, which led to the cow going out, which led to something else happening. You know, led to him tripping and breaking his leg or something like that. Or an example, the Gemara more extreme example is: I put some, I mixed a little poison in your cow's feed, and I put the feed in front of the cow, but I didn't actually directly do anything to the cow. The cow came and he ate the feed. So that's just grandma. I'm potter. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> now there's a middle case which is called Garmi and Garmi is coming to close that gap and it's called something which is more like it's more direct it's not as indirect and there's whole questions of exactly what falls in the category of Garmi but it's not fully an act but it's not fully indirect and it's a middle case and the interesting okay, debate you in, the, you know, in the cold and you don't have no well the case of the poison is probably a Garmi case anyway the, the discussion in the Rishonim is how to conceptualize Garmi do we conceptualize Garmi as a type of a knas which is sort of taking its lead from this Gemara or do we conceptualize Garmi as no this is actually like a loophole in the system that we have to close this hole logically this person deserves to be compensated right and we fundamentally start from the fact that there's a justice that needs to be done you need to be paid for the damages and he was at fault at your damages you suffered the damage you need to be paid just because of some technicality we need to close we need to close that technicality you know close off that loophole so if you focus it on that way it becomes an idea of like a rabbinic din not as much of a knas so I just want to sort of give that as a counter example that there are cases in which technically you can damage somebody and get the not of midin hatora, and Chazal came to address it but they could address it in one of two ways like this is a problem and we have to punish people to stop them from doing it or no this actually is a loophole the person deserves to be compensated and we have to therefore close that gap and create a type of a rabbinic tashlumim okay now the question about why um, right those two different that's that's clear right what those two different models are yes yeah right at least if you're not liable unless you unless it, you might be liable because of this middle category called garmi but that's that question are we close like putting a stumbling block before okay so maybe you maybe you transgressed something but that doesn't mean that you did an act of damages to have to pay you're not liable for damage. Does that make sense to you, by the way? Uh, no, not so much, but okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a funny thing when you learn Baba Kama is that it's not just any damage that you're responsible for. It's that you actually have to do something that's defined as a formal act of mazik. And that's the other point that I wanted to make, which is, I think, you know, when, you know, we understand, like, you sue a company because they're negligent and it led to X amount of deaths or whatever, and there's a general sense that if you're negligent and it's fault, you have to compensate. Whereas in you need some more direct connection than to be at fault. You need to actually do an act of damaging. Or the middle case is my property went and damaged. I was negligent with my property. My ox went and it gored. But the fact that my property did it is still a more something more concrete that connects me to the act than just that I was negligent. Okay? So, um, I mean, negligence is high in the case of Shomrin, but not in the case of Mazet. So, um, so Michael's asking, well, how do I know that Hezek Shano Nicker is not Hezek? And the answer is, you know, I think you have to sort of start from the opposite perspective. It's like the Gemara gives examples about what um, is an act of damage, right? It says like, um, you know, the Gemara says like, um, uh, what's, what, 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 I mean not the Gemara, the Torah. Like, what's the case my in the sure Torah? Sure. Right, my sure goes your sure. I'm talking, what's the case of Adamamazik in the Torah? Um, um, what's the case in the Torah of Adamamazik? Well, there's a case about... Yeah, yeah, but that, that's Chovel. 
I'm not, I'm somehow I'm blaming on the Adamamazi case. Anyway, the point is all the scenarios in the Torah are very direct and very concrete, right? So the question is, but of course, it's not like damages are li- limited to when it's my ox and your ox. It was my dog and your dog. We wouldn't say, oh, you're putter, because it totally talks about ox. Clearly, you have to abstract and generalize from those concrete cases. So I think that what the, what the, what the Chazal do, they don't actually quote a pasuk here. Like they're saying, they're debating whether it's Shmei Hezek and they're not quoting Psukim, right? They're just sort of, and I think that the question is, when you look at that case in the Torah, what, what sort of do you feel are the necessary components that the Torah would require to be, say, in that case, reliable? So one aspect that Chazal look at is they look at the case of direct. It's a direct as opposed to indirect. And it's you directly damaging, doing an act against somebody else's person or property. But the other thing is, is that maybe for something to be considered damaged, it has to be visible. Now, that seems strange to us, right? But that's, you know, Chazal often try to, if you think about it, if it was like an act of a mitzvah, we would understand more some of these formal requirements. I think that when we feel about, meaning, like, mitzvah has all these formal requirements. It's got to be a pras, and you have to do it this way and up that way, whatever. You know, I think when we deal with damages, we tend to think more, less about act and more about end result. You're to blame. This person's property is worth less. You should compensate them. And I think that the Chiddush of how Chazal looked at damages is that they define it as a masemaset. The same way if we were dealing with a mitzvah, we would understand it's not enough but that kezayis of masa got in my stomach. There's a way in which it has to get done to be done doing the mitzvah. So there's not enough that your property got damaged and I was to blame. There's something that defines an act of damage and one of the things seems to be that it's be considered to be nikar. Okay, so I know it's a little strange for us meaning it's visible. That seems... What about intention? Why don't we talk about intention with any of this? Well, because the Gemara... Right. Why, isn't it some punishment for that intention if it, act, if it actually happens? Or, uh, uh, so the Gemara talks about Chayev Bidine Shamayim, that, you know, you're, 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 you're liable up in heaven, but there's no, but, but, you know, so you might have done a sin, and you might be liable, and Rashi says Chayev Bidine Shamayim might mean that if you want things to be right between you and God, like, you have to pay the guy, not just that you'll be punished up there, but, is there, again, but so it's, nobody's saying that what you did is okay, but the question is whether it's actually liable and damages. But I do understand, it's, it's frustrating because they're like I'm to blame and I did it willfully okay but anyway that's the idea so let's take a look at the Gemara most is like this um uh, okay. Okay, it's not. Now we're going to try to prove it. Okay. So, so, right, there you go. If Kohanim, it's the next Mishnah. It's a Mishnah that's coming up. So it's another example of Hezek Shenonikar. The Kohen is shechting your korban, but he's thinking that he's going to eat it at the wrong time. So what that does is it makes the Corbin trace. Okay? So they've made their Corbin trace, but you can't see how it's trace. It all looks kosher. Okay? So if they did it in Nazi, they're chai. That's another example of Hezekhenu Nikar. So the Merzah says, Vatani Allah, Miknei Tikkun so that sounds like the Tikkun Olam is to make them pay because that mission doesn't say Shogig Pater it just says Mezid Chayev and Mezid Chayev Nei Tikkun Olam sounds like the Tikkun Olam is to make them pay sounds like Rabbi Yochanan um, uh, so the Gemara says V'tani Olam if you say that fundamentally you're Chayev and the Takana was to make you Pater Hai Shogim Peturim Nei Tikkun Olam it should have said you're exempt when you do it for Shogig because of Tikkun Olam but it's not what it said it said you're Chayev when you do it B'mezid because of Tikkun Olam Makes it clear that the baseline is that you're exempt. So the Gemara says, no. That's what it means. Implicitly, we're going to exempt you when you're shogging. Why? The Tikkun Olam goes 
on the implicit part of the statement, not the explicit. Fine, whatever. Masim Rebbe Eliezer. If you go ahead and you take water of para aduma that the ashes of the para aduma were mixed in, or you take the cow, the red cow, while it's still alive, and you do malacha with them, okay, you make your cow plow a furrow, you use the water to, in a scale, to weigh against some other object, and those types of things, you now have made it invalid for use of para aduma. The par the par is invalid, the water is invalid, okay, and it's possible, right? So that's a hezek shenu nikar. So again, you're chayven benezid and shogid your pater. Um, uh, uh, Adam. Well, actually, this is interesting. This doesn't say mezid and shogeg. Okay, So it's not clear. Like, why didn't? Like, is this talking about a case of shogeg? Is this talking about a case of mezid? What happened to the mezid shogeg distinction? That's not so clear. Maybe again, maybe we didn't make a knas in this case. What is interesting also is that you are chayiv bedine shemayim. Right. So that's an intra- important thing to address. David's concern and everybody's concerned about where's the justice in this. Okay. So. Um, um, so okay, so I mean, and David, if you want to see, like Rashi says, "Chai b'dini shemayim." Rashi says, "Pur anut l'shalem l'rshaim shenit kaven l'hafsi that Israel." Okay, so you're going to get punished because you are intentionally damaged somebody. And now Rashi says, "Nit kaven." So Rashi makes it actually a case of mazik, which is interesting. All right, anyway, but uh, some say the Chai b'dini shemayim. Another Rashi and another Gemara basically says that you have some obligation to this other person. Thus, the court is not going to be able to force you to pay. But there is some sense of a moral obligation to this person that just the court can't force you. Anyway, that's what you have here. It's not distinguishing here Mezid and Shogi, but what is clear is that the baseline is that you're exempt. So again, it's another proof that Hezek Shenu Nikr Lo Shmei Hezek. The baseline is that you're exempt. So the Gemara says, V'yamarta Hezek Shenu Nikr Shmei Hezek, B'dini Adam Nami V'chayev. Why are you also not Chayev B'dini Adam? So as the says, Humosi Vav Humufarkla. He asked it and he answered it. Para Basically, you had this calf go into a uh, pen where other ca- where cows were, and its mother was there, and you wanted it to suckle from the mother, and also, while it was in the pen, there was like grain on the floor of the pen, and you wanted it to thresh the grain. Okay? Which, therefore, what? So... Rashi says, if you took a look at Rashi, uh, wait a minute. Okay, but Tadush, if you look at Rashi, five lines on the bottom, Betua, Imashar. To Tashlumim Leka, you can't force me to pay in that case. Amasa Yadav, why not? To Omer, Litova, Ichnis Tiha, Shetinak. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's all paraduma. Okay. okay. So here's what Rashi says. This is not only Hezekhenoni Kar, but remember I said the one point is the end result. The object gets visibly damaged. But the other point is, did I directly do the act or did I indirectly do the act? So Rashi says we're going to turn this into a case where the problem isn't that the damage wasn't visible, because the problem is that you didn't directly do it. Why did I not directly do it? Because I only did it with my thoughts. I didn't do it with my actions. How did you do it with your thoughts? Well, if it's going in to nurse from the mother, then that doesn't make it possible. That's not going in for avoda. It also is threshing on the grain. But that's not defined as avoda unless my intention is that it actually thresh the grain. Then it's considered like it's doing an avoda. Okay, so Rashi says in this case, what makes it a hezek is your thoughts. 
And that's why you're exempt, because you didn't really do an action. Not just because the result wasn't Nikar, but because you didn't really do an action. Um, now, and how about the Mechatas? Shashaka ben Mishkalot. That you use it to weigh in a balance. So that's not clear why that's exempt. Isn't that using it to do Malacha? So actually, that's the other way, which it says, one minute, like, isn't that, that, that's not a Malacha, if you just use it as a counterbalance. So the says, Lokashia. Depends how are you using it to weigh. If you put it in a balance and you put one thing in one side of the balance and the other in the other, so that's not considered like you're doing a malacha with them. You're not directly doing something with them somehow. If, however, you put something in to the water and you're measuring something volume by the water displacement, then you're really directly using it as a form of measuring. That's considered a malacha. So the Gemara says, okay. So the Gemara says, so we must be talking about a case of bigufan, right? Because you invalidated the mechatos. So if that's true, we're back to the question, why aren't you paying? Right? Is everybody with me? You're not paying in the case that I use the mechatos? And the question is, doesn't that show you that Hezek Shainu Nikr Loshme Hezek? And the first answer is, well, by the case of the cow itself, it was done by your thoughts. It wasn't really direct action. Okay, but the case of using the water, if you're actually, the case that you made it invalid is you put something in the water and you did water displacement, how is that not an actual action? It's not any car, but it's an action. So the Gemara says, Maisa Ka'avibahu? So you should be chayev. Who cares, right? So the fact that you're exempt, even though you did an action, shows that the fact that it's not visible is enough to make you exempt. It says, Fine. Both cases, you're using it as a counterbalance. So then what's the difference whether you're chayev or not? When you use it as a counterbalance, that's not considered a malach. I didn't directly use the object, okay? So what makes it invalid when I use it as a counterbalance? What makes it invalid is, is that I was not paying full attention to the object. And actually, I got distracted. And actually, by, by mechatos, even something as simple as hesachadas, not being focused on protecting it, is enough to invalidate it. So it's similar to the other case. What really invalidates it in that case is not that I did malacha. Malacha was just the proximate cause. What really invalidates is since I was thinking for a moment about weighing, uh, you know, weighing my grain and I was using this to weigh my grain and I wasn't completely focused on the mechatos, I invalidated the mechatos by, by being distracted. And therefore, what's the act of Hezek here? The act of Hezek was something done through my das, through lack of my das. So the problem here was not that it wasn't Nikar, the problem here was was that it wasn't a simple action done. Right, so again, the simple sense of this is the reason you're exempt by this case of the Chathos is because the end result is not Nikar, is not visible, right? Because that's a simple sense. You can't see the damage done. And the answer is no. We're going to make it a case where it's not just that it wasn't visible, but that it wasn't even a physical action. It was done by thought or by absence of thought. Because you wanted the cow to thrash in your mind, that defines it as an act of malacha because you were distracted from paying attention to the water, that defines it as becoming pasul. So it's because of the thought that it was done through thought or absence of thought that it was a lack of an action, but it wasn't because it was right. a lack of any car. We don't know what the default is, and we uh, somehow fell significantly behind. I think I spent too much time explaining things.